Love Token. Last Christmas, you gave him your heart, but the very next day he gave it away. This Christmas, we give you Watul Podcast, the oh, Christmas edition. So much better. It's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And then that never happens, doesn't it? Do you ever get no, exactly No one's going to be want? giving this one back. No, exactly. There, there are no returns. I like the fact at the start of this, you, I thought you were suggesting to me that all you really care about, the thing you're most tied to in the world... Is this podcast? I quite, I quite like that. That's, you're That's, more tied that to this. Is the this is my yeah. gift? This is our Christmas gift to the world. <laughs> yeah, it's more and important. We're giving than it to someone special. You, you, the listener. The listener. <laughs> more important than family. More important than relationships. More important than feeling Wait, of this Christmas. Is a, this is a, okay, okay. It's the Watool Christmas podcast. That's more important than any I, of that. Or you could say it encapsulates all those things. It, so, so get comfortable in a way. Sit by the fire. Mm. Um, if you don't have a real fire. Maybe chuck up a Netflix fire like we've got. This is a nice size Netflix fire. I don't know mm. about you. I have such a large television that when I put mine on, mm. I, this is a trick I think they miss on these synthetic It's like fires. a raging inferno, is it? This is the problem, right? So it's now, it's much bigger than any real fire would be. So yeah. it just looks like I have an industrial furnace in the corner of my room. And if I sit in there on my own and the room is just lit by that fireplace, mm. it's like I'm staring into the bowels of hell. It's quite fierce. There's also a lot of fires going on around the world, and I don't, it's not a great oh. reminder to have one in your living room. Well, I was room. about to say, yeah, if you don't have one in your living room and you don't have a digital one, like start one in a, start a fire in a bin, but I don't want to encourage that. No, hashtag no bin fires hashtag this Christmas. No bin fires. Hashtag yeah. star send fax. I don't know how yeah, hashtags start work. It. Put on some music. Maybe uh, now that's what I call Christmas and sift through the, the artists of the 70s and 80s that have not yet been tarnished by yew tree. Yeah, how many have we got? <laughs> Slade? We've got, we've, got, we've got Roy Wood and Slade left, yeah. although I've got a bad feeling that, that Roy Wood is a nickname and I'm terrified about how it came about. <laughs> I was thinking about Christmas because I tell you what, I, I don't want, well, I was thinking about Christmas, Christmas on the way and this is the Christmas podcast. Yeah. I don't want to assume that everybody out there loves Christmas movies. I tell you what, no, no. I love Christmas movies, and I, I hope you do too, and I hope that mm. we can talk about Christmas movies in such a varied way mm. it'll remind you, uh, or maybe even alert you to a couple out there that buck the trend if you're not a Christmas fan. Mm. But Christmas itself is a tricky one, because I was thinking it's a bit like, people say it's a bit like Marmite, you either love it or hate it, but I was thinking it's not that, it's the equivalent of if people said, do you like Marmite? But it's not just one person saying, do you like Marmite? It's every song, every magazine, Every radio station, everyone on the street is screaming, why don't you like Marmite? Why don't you like Marmite? Are mm. you dead on the inside? What is wrong with you? Mm. Is there no love in you? Eat some f***ing Marmite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. sort of, it's, it's quite, like a, there's, there's a real pressure to love Christmas. And yeah. I think, really, I see Christmas sort of as the anniversary of the funeral of my youth, I was thinking. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's... yeah. So there's part of me out of allegiance sort of yeah. just pushes through. Because I was saying to me the other day, oh, I better start watching all the Christmas movies. Yeah. As if it's an obligation. If you really have to. Which is sort of strange. And I push through. And it, what it is, is it's a desire to believe again. I mm. want to get back to that version of myself. Oh, wow. And I think that's what a lot... This is a, this is a little bit heavy. This I think this is what a lot of... Okay. I think that's what a lot of Christmas movies do. Because a lot of Christmas movies, they're kind of happy tunes with sad lyrics, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, nostalgia. That's true. Nostalgia is a tricky beast. I was just saying, like, yeah. ghosts. Nostalgia. One man's ghost. One person's ghost, rather. Mm. Is another person's ghoul. I just thought of oh, the tube. I was rather good. pleased with that. <laughs> I thought I'm going to get that one in 
early. Well, that's very Christmas Carol, isn't it? Which is one of the... I don't know whether we'll talk about Muppets Christmas Carol, for instance, or any of the other iterations of A Christmas Carol, but that is... It's such a key text, although it didn't come up near my list of best movies, because I, I think of it... I think it gets of the novel. There's a new novel coming out called Miss Marley, which is about, uh, you know, no matter how bad Scrooge was, Marley must have done something really bad, because he just got <laughs> killed much earlier, and it's a story about his daughter. That sounds quite good. That's oh, yeah, Christmas it's like Marley's book. The Cautionary Tale for yeah, Scrooge, for isn't Scrooge. he, as well? He's exactly. The one so what did he do? That's quite good. Well, this is the thing. I guess what I'm going for here is saying that I do not believe that loving and hating Christmas are mm. mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yes, I no. believe that you can... Like, I used to be a Christmas obsessive, mm. and I think it was I, when I was younger, I didn't want to, that delay on growing up. I liked mm. it. It's a time for children. It's a time to behave like a child, effectively. Mm. And I never used to understand people that said, oh, my Christmas. Mm. And therefore, I was one of those people screaming yeah. with Marmite in my mouth. Yeah. Like it. Like it. What's wrong with you? Are you dead on the inside? Because expectation versus reality, right? Yeah. We're going to talk about some of our choices. That's what we thought we'd do. We'd talk about some of our favorites, because I actually found it pretty hard to pick. And how I feel that they sort of uh, persevere through the ups and downs of the seasons by sort of pushing the commercial aspect out of the way. And the nicer ones, they're about family or they're irreverent. They're about, you know, binning Christmas off. Mm. Um, togetherness, reaching out, all that bullshit. All that, all that stuff. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that you've, you've hit the nail on the head with what we're two men that do a podcast basically just talking to each other about films. When we're not doing that, we're creating stories, doing voiceovers or acting. And we desperately need a time in the year when we can behave like children again. I, li- I like that. There is, there is a certain irony about that somewhere oh god but, you're right actually. yeah but no, it's, it's uh, not I think we can behave it? more like children or more sort of overtly like children rather than masking it in any sort of what is it? Well, I suppose that's the big thing about Christmas is trying to get back to the child well because mm. basically I was thinking about it right in terms of the aesthetics of Christmas and Christmas movies you kind of mm. have three camps yeah. you have the Victoriana we were saying the other day almost mm. anything wintry and Victorian is seen as festive yeah. and then you're saying possibly that's because well, of I was the interval like of the pagan fe- yeah. it is a time to look back it, it just is feels like a time of gather contemplation around the hearth. that's why I love looking back on the year look, making lists of great things and Way I'm saying goodbye which, to them, which know. will be our next episode in January. Best movies of 2018. Best will movies be the of 2018. Starting to talk about what we think might be cropping up in the awards season. I think oh, might yeah. dovetail nicely with that one. Beautiful. But basically, you've got the Victoria, which of course uh, Christmas trees came over to England, and I suppose. I don't know when America would start. Well, of course, they would around about the same time. Mm. But Victorian Albert's Christmas cards, that's when yeah. that came along. So a lot of the trappings of Christmas. And also, of course, I think. Mm. Dickens, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, which is probably one of the most modern famous. Also, a lot of the kind of hymns as well, the Christian hymns, the mm. more famous ones, even the more secular famous ones, kind of came along the era. And then, of course, you've got the Norman Rockwell era. You've mm. got kind of like American, all like weird film studies there about it all. <laughs> but I was just thinking about this. You've got Norman Rockwell and you've got like sort of domestic middle class America. And so you've got swing music and you've got mm. Norman Rockwell paintings. You've got F.D. Bloom making Father Christmas and Santa Claus. You've yeah. got. I think in that movie, The Christmas Story, that, that uh, Christmas Story is quite in that sort of I think zone. I said in the for- yeah, early yeah. 40s. Yeah. You've, got, you've got Bing and you've got Nat King Cole. You've got that whole era. Yeah. And then you've got which I think it just by coincidence, but maybe not coincidence, as I said in the last podcast, there's, I think there's no, it's Napoleon quote, and he said, uh, to understand a man, you need to know what the world was like when he was 20. Ah. 
And I think to understand uh, a Christmas fan, you've got to know what the world was like when they were an eight-year-old kid. And therefore, you've got the John Hughes Christmas. You've got the John more Hughes irreverent Christmas. 80s, anarchic yeah, Christmas. Very much so, yeah. There, there are all sorts of rich themes of Christmas movies. I, I like the fact, though, I think what I got from what you're saying is that, it, in a way, the Western is like, why Americans are so obsessed with Westerns? Well, that's really their their history stories. They don't have much yet. I mean, they've got, there's, a, there's sort of gangster movies, that kind of thing, going back to the 50s, but really all their historical stuff uh, is, is Western. Whereas Christmas seems to be ex- e- also obsessed with its own inception, like with yeah. its own kind of beginnings and its own sort Which of... Which I think uh, really is just a testament to how enduring Christmas Carol is. I think it might really be yeah. no more than that. It might possibly. be we're, we're just, Christmas is just so entranced with its, it, it, its but, beginnings that it can't stop going back to them. But I was trying to work out the other day why it is at Christmas you, I, personally and me and my friends come back around to all of the kind of 80s hits yeah. there's a fondness for those and also all the 80s Christmas movies I think we're going to be talking both of us about some John Hughes movies Yeah, and all of the you know if I was trying to pick I think I had about 12 I was trying to pick three from and yeah. 90% of those were 80s movies Yeah, and I do wonder whether it's I remember years ago reading this I think I mentioned this the other day it's a great article in Vanity Fair I can't remember it was by sadly because it was a long time ago. And it was about why we've been obsessed culturally with the 80s since the 80s. Whereas well, there's mm. been almost a perpetual 80s renaissance. But is that our generation? Well, that's what I always, always wondered. Is it mm. because we're 37 and the, the innocent time we're going to recall and we're going to like, you know, music and go back to his, our first memories, which would be the 80s. But it does seem that there's been a constant 80s revival. They go, mm. oh, now the early 90s is back and people wearing cycle shorts. Mm. That will last about six months. Mm, yeah. Until, and then people or, you know, will get 90s. Or a week if you're Rihanna. Yeah. Like it will yeah. just sort of go on a, and people they'll get fatigued I think and the the article argued the reason that was the reason everything sort of stopped around about 1992 is because technology has moved so quickly mm. geopolitics has moved so quickly in that time that human beings can only accommodate so much change in their lives mm. which is why architecture and fashion like it's, I think I remember it said in 1972 if a man from 1952 or a woman from 1952 young man or woman walked down mm. the street you'd think they're in fancy dress. Mm. In 1992, if someone from 1972 walked down the street, you'd think they're in fancy dress. In 2012, if someone from 1992 walked down the street, you wouldn't notice them. Yes. Or so 1972. So we're sort of consuming different eras in some ways. I think, I think so, right? but I think the idea is that there was a technological uh, um, acceleration that happened around the digital age in the, in the 80s. So that for seen as the last slightly slower, slightly more gentle time, the last time that happened mm. was the 1980s. This so, is a very philosophical way to start the show. I know, it is I really enjoy it. Is this how it's going to be? Is it going to be this deep all the way through? I don't know whether I can... It might blow my mind. Well, I personally... Pick, I, we said that we pick uh, three movies. Movies each. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, maybe just chuck in a wild card if you think of one, a film that maybe, but three, I think three is enough. I'd like to discuss themes as well, and we've already got through two big themes. Christmas being uh, nostalgic for its own beginnings is one. Yes. Uh, you also mentioned another great theme, which was Christmas movies that... Oh, yeah, I was going to go on to talk about some point two, which are Christmas movies being obsessed with commerciality. Yes. And, and critical of that. And also, I think there's a scene we might touch on. I think some Christmas movies are very much like, and this is particularly going out to the people that don't like Christmas, which is also a kind of Scrooged thing we've got going on there. That's a good example of that. Some Christmas movies are a bit like prison movies. 
But this is what, yes, what you're what, trapped in is Christmas itself. And so it's great for the Grinch in us and also the the uh, the Bob Cratchit in us, the, who, who sort of, the people that love Christmas. Although you know, one of the movies I'm talking about is uh, National Lampoons, which I think mm. basically is my favourite example of the kind of Christmas screwball where it's usually about a sort of rather vain patriarch who has an idea of the Christmas he wants to give his family. It's usually yes. a man. Usually yeah. the sort of women and the children are looking on wishing that he... And actually the irony being, he is someone who is desperately chasing and that's why I often think it's a man possibly because of a patriarchal structure is chasing his youth yes is chasing his childhood and trying to present it to his family but I think you're right I realise that the three you know we'll we'll mix and match we'll do one each shall we the Mm. the three films that I will just say I was going to talk about I realised there were sort of three genres within Christmas the Christmas genre which is the kind of Christmas one person survival movie which yeah. is Home Alone which I, and I was I, I was going almost talked about Die Hard and I realized Die Hard and Home Alone are the same yeah, movie. Yeah, they're quite similar aren't they? I mean he's weirdly you, Bruce Willis is deaf, desperately trying to get home and uh, Macaulay Culkin is trying to protect his trying home. to protect home. He's, everyone else has left and but he's they're both at trying home. to get to their they're family an inversion. by yes, the end of it. That's true. And both they're basically, you know, trapped in a burning building. Yeah. And they One, both the guy, yeah, both of them set on fire. And they both also the rubber feet is the two uh, things that links that film. Daniel Stern wore uh, the yeah. same style of rubber feet that Bruce Willis wore for all the broken glass scenes. Kevin McAllister. So that's a bit weird. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how I'm, that's that's, that's this quite is niche. what happens when the night before the podcast you go on the IMDB trivia <laughs> section. You get Get rubber feet. That's what links those two. They're films. also both characters are very willing to kill in those movies. I mean, Bruce is very quick. To, well, I, you yeah. know, this is what I do. And similarly, Macaulay, he takes to malice and, and violence very oh, quickly. Oh, incredibly easy. Yeah, yeah very, and, I, and I love that. I mean, he really could maim those people. I don't know what the... Yeah, well, he does. He uh, sets yeah. a guy on fire, he puts a nail through a person. I don't know foot. what the legal consequences are of some of the things that he does, actually. Because... Well, the darkest thing is what they're trying to do to him. It's about two... Yeah. Criminals trying yeah. to kill a child, and at one point, yeah, he, they go to bite his fingers off. Yeah, they do. He uh, actually bit his, he hurt the guy's finger. Pesci did to try and get a reaction out of Macaulay in yeah, a sort of actor way. Was, do you know what I became intrigued by last night? This is a, a weird tangent I went off. Like injuries that people sustained on Christmas movies, because I realise there's quite a few. <laughs> when I talk about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Chevy Chain, wait, Chevy Chase, where Chevy Chain, Chevy Chain, which is uh, yeah, that was get his on the Chevy name. Train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chevy Chevy Heavy Chain. Um, uh, he uh, he like broke a finger during his flip out scene the one where he can't light the oh. light in front of his whole family and he loses it wow. and he just kept going same way Joe Pesci bit the uh, bit but uh, yes yeah, so the finger. other well I realize the other genre is the sort of pursuit of domestic perfection which is National Lampoon yeah, yeah yeah and then the last one I was going to talk about which is my favorite film of all time so I'm pleased to finally be able to talk about it at all was yeah. It's Wonderful Life the Frank Capra movie of yeah. course which is the existential. Christmas one, which yeah. is about loneliness and reflection and seasonal affective disorder and suicide. Mm. I mean, that's not even a parable or an allegory. I mean, that is that's it's all in that movie. And I think you're right. All three of those films mm. are simultaneously walking that line of mm. being cozy and Christmassy and rather commercial and yeah. putting forward all of that stuff, but also about trying to find through the mist of all of that the mm. other people's expectation of the Christmas you should have, the pressure people put on you about having a good Christmas, yes. having a per- and the pressure people themselves put on to get back to that perfect Christmas that never quite existed. Yeah. Is how how do you settle? How do you find something good? In the midst of all of that, yes. you know, what do you really cling to? Because they're all survival tales, basically. Yeah. All of them, are, you're right, are about surviving Christmas. And, and all, all of them seem, as the more you talk about it, seem to be made by, I mean, in that era 
a lot of sort of middle-aged men, some women, uh, are making movies, which are really about, isn't Christmas the apotheosis of, of the pressure you put on yourself in your own life to just have a good time? And that, that's quite existential, I think. There's a lot of that in those movies, I think. Just to want everything to be perfect, to build a perfect life, to be able to give and receive in ways where you're thankful and also generous. But those are difficult things to do. And I think that that's the sort of the nausea and paranoia of Christmas, which which is a part I, of all those films. I though. think it is. I think, And I think nostalgia is a tricky thing. Nostalgia, yeah. I mean, it is it is about ghosts and it is about mourning something. And I suppose also it comes to, as you say, it comes mm. to the it's this end of the year yeah. uh, feast where supposedly you sit down and you give thanks. Yeah. But sometimes you get to the end of the year and you go, do you know, I don't feel like I've got too much to be thankful mm. for. But I had a thought, you know, you hear some people say, uh, I think you hear people potentially sort of going, well, I worry about these Christmas films or these Christmas images that are put forward, right? Mm. Because... I think that it's it's creating something uh, a standard that that cannot be attained by many people, and many people will feel even lonelier and that they will fall short. Yes, but I do wonder whether it's a little bit like superhero movies, mm. or the way that people seem to. I'm not a massive comic book fan, but when you hear people talking passionately about how they came to comic books when they were younger, what it meant to them when they were a little girl or they were a little mm. boy, and they were marginalised or they were bullied or they felt lonely or mm. they felt isolated, is that there is a dream, is that there is a perfect version. Mm. And actually, weirdly, one of my friends who I would say is the most festive, who adores the songs and seems to really believe that there's something purely good and untarnished in those songs. That's good. And in the mu- movies and all that. As I know, I also, he's actually also had, I don't know if he's ever actually had a good Christmas. And I, what, I, what I mean by that, I don't mean he loves the songs and he gets Christmas and goes, oh, they lied. I mean, more so, I mean that, you know, he's had a dreadful family situation oh, in the past. and a lot of, Wow. Yet, but I think, do you see what I mean though? That's, Maybe that's the North it Star for him. Most, it yeah. guides him. And I think like superhero movies, for some people, these these fantasies of Christmas mm. give make them feel less lonely because there is a sort of solitude and a loneliness and a reflection yeah. that sort of comes with Christmas. But where would you go if you just achieved the best Christmas ever? Where would you go from there? It has to be an unfulfilled Christmas in some small way because then you've got a new beginning for the next year. Absolutely. Otherwise, you'd just you know you'd be set on fire like a sort of like they did maybe in pagan times and just pushed out to sea on a on a burning raft. That would be the end. I'm pretty sure they probably still do. Yeah. In Norway or somewhere. Yeah, I like that. Like, the, other... the oldest man. Yeah. Ask him if he had a good life. He says yes. You dress him up as Father Christmas. Set, you him, set on him on fire. fire. You, you push, him push him out to sea. Yeah. I like, Don't I... you mock our customs? Yeah. I, I, Have I just other... m- mocked the Norwegian customs Maybe. by making one up that implies yeah. they kill? I think they'd be fine. They're quite laid back. I think. What about euthanasia? Yeah. No, they, yeah, they are. They are. They're quite, they seem to have a great sense of euthanasia. And so what thing I like also about people that have decided they haven't had a good year yeah. is that that often comes out on, on Facebook. Like people even get to the vitriolic point of listing listing all the terrible things that have happened and it'll start with something like, F you 2018. <laughs> 2018 was the year when this went wrong and this went wrong. And this Goodbye, went... 2018. Goodbye. Here I come, 2019, the land of milk and Fast honey. Fast forward 12 months. <laughs> 2019, you bastard. F you 2020. I guess you'd spoken to 2018 before you came along. <laughs> Thank God my friend 2021 is just around the corner where uh, I get all the things I've ever wanted. What can go wrong? Um, um, well, talking about Home Alone. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> Hang on. Is this where we're starting? Is this it? Yeah, I think we should get into Is this your number three? Or is, is, this, is this a countdown? Or are oh. your three big movies? Or are they just three movies? I think they're three different favorites? ones. Because as I say, I feel that it's, well, no, I've told you my favorite is okay, it's wonderful. Okay, yeah. Because I feel that that was the one that addresses 
the, that real chasm between expectation and reality, and not just of Christmas, mm. but of a life well lived. Yes. To be quite honest, because you know, well, that's end, your. You've said that's your <clears> your vote, <throat> your favorite of all time. You've, you've thrown that out. Well, there. listen, I, I think it's almost impossible to argue for the best film of all time. Although people do, and we were talking the other day in the last podcast about Citizen Kane and why mm. people will rate that as a perfect example yeah. of uh, you know the cinematic form or whatever. Mm. But I think it's it's always more interesting. I feel to listen to people talk. In a heartfelt manner about their favourite, because yeah. their favourite you don't hate. You're not unburned. Yeah. It is interesting, and I can say, hand on heart, it, it is my favourite. I don't think there's a movie that affects, that inspires me, and uh, affects me as much as that one does. Well, like, while we're there, well, you you only hold off. I'm going to hold off on that one. Wow. It's like we've got a series of I think emotional so. I think trailers. So because I know that you're going to talk about some John Hughes movies and my other two yes. John Hughes. So I feel like let's just dive in with John Hughes. Okay. Also, uh, the order that my uh, notes are in is mm. just got Home Alone in front of me. And I, okay. I just don't think it's interesting for people to hear me go, oh, no, it's on the floor. Oh, hang on. No, okay. oh, God, no that's yeah, a shopping yeah. list. Oh, no. Oh, uh, hang on. Wait. Okay. But anyway, Home Alone, which we were talking the other day about John Hughes. Yeah. Uh, um, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, Uncle Buck. Mm. probably his earliest Christmas movies. He made one that I mm. call something like Norm or something that, oh. that came a little bit later. But Home Alone, the, what was at the time the biggest live action comedy of all time, which I think adjusts for inflation, mm. may st- still well be. Oh, I see. Directed by wow. Chris Columbus, who uh, was uh, big in a lot of Christmas movies, yeah. produced uh, Jingle All The Way, made the first couple of Harry Potters, wrote The Goonies. Jingle wrote- All The Way, another great one about commerciality and how the central character is trapped in Christmas but hates Christmas. Trapped in Christmas and hates oh, Christmas. Yeah. yeah, and another one to again about extent, yeah. uh, professing that you love your family and realising that you, you kind of can't stand them. Yeah. And that in that is, you know, the, the only way you really can love your own family, which is to forgive them and, hey, maybe forgive yourself. Oh. Oh, I kind of made myself feel a bit yeah, ill when I hit that sort of that, bass tone there. Yeah, that's it. Planes, Trains and Automobiles, I will just dive in. A Thanksgiving film. Thanksgiving, yes, of course. I mean, they're but so close, and we don't really understand. We've we spoken about we don't we understand Thanksgiving. We don't but it feels like it. a movie where it's very much like getting home to that sort of event where I'm supposed to be giving thanks, literally, and I'm unable to get there because of my foibles. Also th- yeah, also Thanksgiving has got slightly weird connotations. Oh, does it? Well, it's not the most politically never... correct holiday, is it? Was there something to do with... Well, really, it should be, let's celebrate the indigenous people of America. Oh, yeah, of course, Dave. yeah, like, that's it. That's really what it should be. Oh, and that... then say sorry and thank you, but then sorry again. I spare very little time. But listen, time nobody... And, I mean, I don't know if we have any American listeners. The last thing they're going to do if they sell down to Chris's <laughs> yeah. podcast is be berated. Yeah, have a by, go at them Also, by two holiday. Englishmen. By two who don't even like, know. we're the worst. They don't even know we the genesis of it. started all the... All that crap. That's anyway, true. this is this is not festive. Anyway, let's talk about Home Alone, which, yep. as a genre movie, is basically a home invasion mm, Christmas thriller. Like straw dogs. But it it with basically a child. is. It yeah. basically is mm. by uh, Chris Columbus, who um, didn't know Jeremiah Chechik or whatever his name was directed. Uh, why does Chris Columbus link to Gremlins? You're going to talk about. He wrote Gremlins. Oh, he wrote. You told me. He wrote yes, Gremlins. he wrote I Gremlins. Did not know that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, um, uh, a brilliant cast. Uh, um, uh, home Alone. I think the real reason that it's um, endured is it's mm. a brilliant comedy. Yes. It's actually a great action film in terms yeah. of the home invasion. There, it's really, really machine tooled if you follow mm. the beats of it. It absolutely is Die Hard, mm. but with a sort of kid. Yeah. It also is quite ambitious for its age, in as much as John Hughes started that trend, that sort of um, uh, rather irreverent sort of teen beat movies he did with twelve, you know, Sixteen Candles and yeah. Breakfast Club and everything of teenagers sort of kind of being incredibly witty and sort of having this sort of dry yeah, Chicago yeah, yeah. Yeah. sort of quick fire yeah. one line wit- and in mourning of, for their own lives already, like and mourning much. for their own lives. Yeah. But then what he basically did is he translated that style to an eight year old. Yeah, because also it's possibly the most eight in many ways. If you look at the wit of it and you look at the gags, it's one of the most mature. 
It is quite right. And I think I it's mean, about experiencing the world. Because I remember the second one I always felt was like, is like going out into the city mm, on your own. Mm, so in many ways, mm, I feel I enjoyed that movie as a child, having some anticipation of my excitement about yes, being a teenager. that's true. But that's Kevin also, he does have the, it seems very, he's very lives in his own age. Like he's not like, it doesn't seem like at, he, he's like a child out of his time. But he's, he's blessed with the intelligence to understand what's going on around him. That his brother is that kind of jock a-hole. That his uncle is just one of those annoying guys that sort of will will sort of try and skip out of paying for dinner. Yeah, it's, and yeah, it's steals the, the sort of crystal on the, glasses yeah. on the plane. The you know, he he sort of he looks at them and, and he understands as we do the sorts of people in the world that he's surrounded with maybe aren't great people, but his mum and dad are good people. Well, and, and he wants that, to get back to them. So. I think the reason it speaks to a sort of precocious child as well is I think it's exactly that. Mm. It's the idea that you're too small to have any autonomy over your life yes. and you're told constantly what to do. But you go, I'm the only one who's not an arsehole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yet they're going, stop behaving like an arsehole. Yeah, I suppose it is that. It's like it's like a sort of film about a guy sort of walking through like London like everyone does and, and, think, and being bumped into and jostled and everyone getting in your way but looking at you like you're in their way. It's got a very Christmassy feeling of like the angst of being in a crowd. You know? Yeah, but and again, it's, uh, you know, he, his whole thing is I wish my family would disappear yes. and he wakes up and he thinks he's got rid of them which yeah. is don't wish away your imperfect family they're mm. all you've got of course so again the, is a riff on it's a wonderful life where he wishes he would disappear yeah so wishing for everyone else to disappear i mean they do get back i guess what at the end of the movie when they all come back they there's this crowd of people with all their characters and all their foibles and you can see him through his eyes he's looking at buzz and buzz says his brother is i you didn't burn the place down that was pretty cool yeah, like and everyone shows their good side at the end of that movie, which is really smart, actually. Isn't it? All those people you see the the sort of it's yang to their yin, yeah. and he sort of and, and and what they were before gets reversed by all the the positivity that that they exude as human beings when they just are a bit more thankful and a bit more relieved to be alive. It's a great ensemble piece as well. I think it's yeah. easy to forget. I mean, Macaulay Culkin, I tried watching The Christmas Chronicles, the Netflix one, which I suggested we did watch and then didn't mention again. Oh, to, the Kurt Russell The one. reason I didn't mention that to you again is because I tried to watch oh, it no. and I did not get far. It's the one with Kurt Russell Kurt having Russell. his sort of blow-dried uh, sex Santa. It's, wow. Uh, it, yeah, he's, it's, he's, he's just too sexed up for Santa. Well, another one I tried to get through and did not, was not able to get through was, I think it's called Harold and Kumar's 3D Christmas. Oh, I've seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah. I've Found that I did find it quite I, that funny feels early like a film on. that it has got like, loads of lines in it that reference the fact that this is 3D. This uh, cool, yeah, where it's 3D, point. right? No, you're right. It's, you're it's right. A lo- there's a lot of uh, intertextuality. Is it? I guess it's very meta. It's got there's all this meta 3D. They'll stuff. love someone just woke up in bed and went finally someone. Yeah, intertextuality, intertextuality used in the wrong context. Brilliant. Yeah. I no, love this. I podcast. meant more the maker. I meant more the director. Oh, they will have gone. Will have gone. Yeah, I've yeah, finally they. I get tried it. to watch Jack Frost. Couldn't get through that. I mean, that is incredibly bad. I love that because it's. So really, terrible. I just, I, it's amazing watching, you know, one, again, one of our favourites here at Watul, yeah. watching Michael Keaton mm. try to indie movie act his way out of mm. the, out, well, what I like is in the first half, I get, he's trying to act, sort of, he's trying to hover above the, the source material by just being so off the cuff and irreverent, where basically it's about a guy who's in a band and he never comes home to see his kid. Oh, and he's so in a band, with, a band with Mark Addy. Yeah. And they sing all the, the, sort of, the kind of Dave Matthews style thing. And there's <laughs> yeah. constantly a bloke that looks like Guy Fieri going, uh, we got to book these guys. They're going to set the world on fire. Who's Guy Fieri? <laughs> They'll sell so many tapes. 
Who's the guy Fieri? He's that you know the the American chef with the the flames on him who's always screaming. Oh, well, I don't know that. Guy. Yeah, he, he, an yeah. American chef with flames on him that's always screaming. I literally <laughs> yeah, you're going to look I him up now, though, aren't you? You should listen to everyone should listen to uh, how did this get made the podcast if only for their uh, episode on Jack Frost. They talk about it's Jason Manzukis and Paul Shear talk about oh. terrible films and the best. Oh well, one we'll post that up and I, Jack Frost. please do because I can't. Yeah. I'd really like to listen. To it's it. great. Well, because also the best thing about that film is Michael Keaton is barely clinging on in terms mm. of you can see him going it's not a good time in my career mm. but I'm Michael Keaton and he is Michael Keaton and actually you know, he does survive it and I stopped about five minutes into them putting him inside a giant snowman outfit they don't CGI it <laughs> there's a bit like he got all the halfway and he went oh guys so listen from now on right it's a voiceover and they went yeah about that we ran out of money and he went Sorry. you're kidding what, what? Look, so he thinks I'm but he can see I'm, uh, I'm a snowman no it's worse than that mate we're just going to put you in a shopping centre style suit hang on though it is CGI that are you saying what if it was a suit it's definitely it's terrible yeah. CGI it's I really like, bad I feel like they put a CGI mouth on a man in a suit and I've I got think, a bad feeling it might be my... Well, maybe I don't. I'm worried Listen, that I you thought out. that was very realistic, <laughs> that you thought it was real, because it is terrible. As I remember it. No, the best thing about that film, though, is the tagline that Snow Dad is better than No Dad. Ooh. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk later on. My my um, uh, my choice of uh, hidden, kind of forgotten Christmas classics, or rather lesser scene, is mm. a film called The Family Stone, mm. uh, which came out in 2011, which the reason a lot of people don't know it's Christmas is they obviously panicked at the studios and went, right, we're going to market it as a Sarah Jessica Parker mm. uh, romantic comedy. Mm. And so they put a sort of it's rather incredibly condescendingly sort of pink sparkly uh, DVD cover on it. And it said, if you want, you know, to uh, was it uh, to get the ring, she must survive the family. And at no point is there a bit about her trying to get... There's like a bit where a boyfriend see. says, I'm going to give her... And it's a shame because it's actually one of the best Christmas movies of the last 10 oh. years. And actually the only one for me in my late 30s that deals with... That thing of being an old, you know, an older child when mm. the children are on the way, but you know, parents are and grandparents are disappearing. And what happens when you go back home and yes. you have cousins and you know siblings who are in their late thirties mm. and uh, and actually end up reverting to type? What? But anyway, we were talking about the, the, the great ensemble that uh, is Home Alone because you've got John Candy, yeah. Joe Pesci, you've got Catherine O'Hara. Terrific! It's incredible. That yeah. was that was my introduction to, to Joe Pesci, and and so brilliant that Catherine think? O'Hara is like she's got in most movies she's brilliant characters, plus she's wild characters. But in this, she's just the heart of the movie. You sort of see her. She's and, the heart of the movie, yeah. but she has some incredible comic bits. She does have some brilliant comic bits when she realizes that the kids got. But also, uh, Joe Pesci, he made. I've just realized he made Home Alone the same year he um, shot Goodfellas. Oh, and released really? Goodfellas. Is yeah, it? so for oh, adults God, going yeah. and watching that film with kids at the time, that mm. must have been mm. one hell of a flip. Because also mm. he plays it dark. Apparently Daniel Stern, they couldn't afford Daniel Stern, mm. so they shot it with another guy for a while, and then they brought him in. Which I, It's interesting that the person at that time in 1990 who was the big money was, was City Slippers Daniel Stern, a great actor. But they, Daniel Stern and uh, Joe Pesci didn't believe that uh, the movie was going to be a success. Wow. So almost, and a pat, well, this is a rumour, that supposedly there was disagreements on set. Mm. They uh, just decided to play it like it was a serious movie because mm. I think Joe Pesci is terrifying. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. a scene where they hang a child on the back of a door. Yeah, that's true. But, but they don't hang the actual child. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that's what Pesci put a wanted noose around to do. Him. Yeah, yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was Joe Pesci's uh, uh, note on set. Yeah, And true. they just said, no. We need to, we need to hang this kid. Come on. 
on. Get a hammer. This kid. We break his fingers. And then I get a pen and I stab him in the neck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Hiya, pal. Hiya, pal. A very scary movie. Oh, that's very weird. That that. I remember seeing that movie in the Odeon in Worcester when when it was a big one of those screens you can barely believe now. I, I reckon it was like back a when you had one. That, yeah. And my dad sat. Not. I went with a group of friends. My dad didn't sit with us because he thought that would be uncool for us. So he was when he you were nine years old. That's really something sweet. Like that, yeah, it's and almost like he understood. Yeah, what you would be taking from the protagonist's journey, which is which is basically, hey, I'll give you your space, but by the end, you might want your old dad back. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Just sort of what Macaulay Culkin goes through. Which uh, also, I just realised we didn't say the story of Homeland. I'm assuming it's sort of I in the title. Think, yeah, I don't think a we kid need gets to. a kid gets accidentally left alone by his family. Yeah, uh, and end up they, they, it's in a very big mansion house, and these robbers try and break in, yeah. and then he defends it violently against them. That's basically I it. like the fact that you, you've done that just for the one listener we have in North Korea <laughs> who's not allowed to watch well, who goes, any culture. <laughs> certainly well, not Home going, Alone. They've just managed to get a sort of a pirate download of this. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they're sort of, their yeah. life is that they yeah. imagine the films that we talk about. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here's a weird, here's a they, mad they, one, right? They put them on tape. I guess who I just them. walked past as I came in here? The uh, young guy, the young actor from Buster Scruggs who we reviewed last year. Oh, uh, Harry last Was it Harry? Harry Melling, yeah. Oh, no, Do you know No, Harry, yeah, 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 very well. That really yeah. weirded me out because he looked me right in the eye yeah. and I was thinking, that's the guy with no arms from the film he really oh, that, that, Yeah, that's quite Either strange. this is going to go horribly wrong yeah. or it's going to go great. Oh. I know, but you've got the John Williams score, you've got John Candy. Yeah. What would a Some Christmas Johns. film be without John Candy? Mm. Um, and uh, I think what you were saying before I was quite interested in with the, with the chain, it's got a lot of... Why don't more films have, because we love this, mm-hmm. chain reactions in them? Like, you set up a thing, it hits another thing, and that hits another thing. Audiences love that. That was what we oh, were going crazy for. Now, you for. don't mean a, an emotional, you don't mean a narrative no, chain not reaction. not at all, just you literal. Mean you mean it, yeah. Uh, and can, then it, you set up a can, then I kick it off a thing, it, it falls down a thing, it hits someone in the head. We love that. The only other movies that seem to do that are Final Destination. Where you just see right, one thing hitting that. the other thing, hitting the other, like a massive. Well, people domino love watching thing. dominoes. That's why. Yeah, I was about exactly. To say. So why don't more movies there's a, do there's that? There's been a meme that's been going around for a while on Home Alone, where which is it's something like, mm. twenty years on, I'm still trying to work out what Kevin McAllister's dad <laughs> did for a living to afford this house <laughs> and take twelve of them to Paris. Yeah, that is true. It's, he was where they sit watching it's a wonderful rich. life. Oh don't yeah. They? Do you remember they sit in a hotel watching it? There's a couple of It's a Wonderful Life links, actually, because they, they also, there's mm. a scene in National Lampoons, the next movie I'm going to talk about, mm. after you talked about uh, one of your picks, mm. where they're also sitting watching that. And actually in National Lampoons, uh, the assistant director was Frank Capra III. Oh, is that, is that so that's his grandson? His grandson. I've just found out, actually, I just got it in my ear, that uh, Kevin McAllister's dad dealt in blood diamonds. So that's quite, it's quite difficult, isn't and it? And uh, that, was, that was also Joe Pesci's description, and I heard that John Hurd was not happy about going happy with about, that. Yeah. But it just turned out that everyone was terrified of Joe Pesci, so they just did what the hell he said. But it does have that huge, it has that huge kind of, that marbled kind of dry Chicago it, with mm. that kind of magic realism, I mm. think, of it is sentimental, it is a little bit far-fetched. The gleam of, of coming of age. The gleam know. of coming of age, because I think I would describe in a weird sort of way, Home Alone really is like a teen movie, because I watched the beginning of The Christmas Chronicles, and the real reason I, I just couldn't quite get through it is because I found the kids so annoying. Oh. And child actors, and why is it that Macaulay Culkin is so charismatic in that? Mm. And I remember when it, it was popular when we were younger, everyone would go, oh, he's not a great actor. Mm. No, I don't know about that. You think he's, he's incredibly great? Incredibly charismatic. He able he he has large sections that are sort of you know monologues effectively. Yeah, he's not hampered by having to be too real. 
is he? So there's a lot of sort of winks to the camera and just sort of almost wink. Actually, I think he does wink at the camera. But there's a, there's a lot of that. It's not, it's not a movie that's... more annoying than a, a Ken Loach movie, kid. is it? Yeah, well, that's true. Mm. Should, should, yeah. Christmas, how? Like when you get like sort of sassy kids and things. It's, you mean... You just want to throttle Shall I talk about my one? I think we should. My number... Well, I, I sort of did a... Oh, a, go on. I just thought of something. Yeah. Really quickly on Home Alone. Yes. I did suggest this, right? And then I forgot about it. And then I thought about it just now on the train. Mm. If all of these movies were a song, yeah. what would it be? And I thought if this was a song, it would be White Christmas because he sings it at the mirror. Yeah, Do you remember that? Yeah, okay. Or it would be Baby, It's Cold Outside because it's basically mm. one of those slightly uh, stranded songs. Although that's one of the creepiest um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Christmas songs of all oh, time. So that's the one creepy. about like, I've put something in your drink or baby, it's, I'm really <laughs> yeah, dizzy. It's, really it's sort of that thing where he's trying to stop a mm. woman leaving. Yeah. Who keeps saying no? Basically, yeah. that's a song all about ignoring Christmas consent. Well, which the only is thing pretty well, dark. Do you I know? know when Tom Jones did it uh, with the girl from Catatonia. Did they flip it? They didn't. I think they should have done. But it, but she just. Sit, I think they chose someone for that duet who looked like they could. If Tom tried it, she could. Oh, she could she'd come just back. Fuck him up. She would. She'd, she'd come back hard at him. I think. And on that mm. bombshell, is that what you wanted to talk about? Oh, if it was a, if it was a song. It would be White Christmas. Well, no, no, no. That's all I was going to say because it reminded me at the end sure, of Die Hard. Sure, Die Hard sure. ends with Let It Snow, Let <clears> It Snow by Dean Martin. Yes. And I thought that's kind of what these movies are. They're kind of late 80s, early 90s, sort of irreverent, anarchic movies that sort of riff on your parents' Christmas flicks. A bit like Gremlin and Trading Places. But yes, please. What's your first choice? Well, I, I wanted to choose... Actually, I, I, fl- I flipped the script. I chose a couple of things that I don't think anyone would be talking about. A couple of movies no one's interested well, why, in. Why not? But I'm interested in them. I want to talk about a double bill because I think they kind of sit in the same area for me Mm. of While You Were Sleeping and Serendipity. Interesting. Because I like both those movies. From that golden age of early 90s romantic movies in the Nora Ephron heyday. Was she involved in either of those? She wasn't. I don't know. It feels like her influences, yeah, is is definitely on that movie. Certainly uh, Serendipity. Actually, and and to an extent, While You're Sleeping. The great thing about While You're Sleeping and why it's so different to the movies we've talked about so far is you have this. uh, in a role that uh, Sandra Bullock would make her own over a several different movies, a sort of slightly uh, screwy, kind of uh, not put together girl who's just trying to find out where her life is going. And she's driven and she's brilliant, but she's not getting all the breaks that she uh, she deserves, maybe. And in this movie, it, the setup is that she sees a guy. Is it that she's not getting her love life. You know, it's that sort of thing of. Uh, it's the Aaron Sorkin thing of. Yeah. These people are incredible at their jobs, but yeah. they just can't get it right when it comes to love. <laughs> yeah, that sort of that thing. thing. Yeah. But, she, but it's, quite, it's done quite... Is that a rather sexist trope? Do you think uh, that's applied more to women in films, possibly? I don't think... I here's, think yeah, here's, quite, an ambitious, quite often. here's an ambitious businesswoman. Definitely. It's a little bit like who's forgotten her emotional side as a woman. Yeah, Slightly stuff like that. sexist. Yeah, and it's, it's also sexist. like, yeah, the idea of the sort of the type of like, flora a woman would have, which a man would just find adorable. Yeah. But I think this movie sidesteps that <laughs> because she's a very sort of independent uh, character and she's just she just feels unusual. And in a lot of good Christmas movies, it dares to be a bit depressing, her life, <laughs> Brooks life yes. in this movie and she, it's only lightened up by seeing a guy that she finds attractive on the train p- played by Peter Gallagher wonderful Peter Gallagher and his the wonderful Peter eyebrows Gallagher. yeah uh, with those gorgeous Mr. eyebrows Deeds. Mr. Deeds <laughs> Mr. Deeds Great. Yeah. fantastic such uh, a villain in that that he's created uh, uh, an evil moustache that looks like a third Peter Gallagher eyebrow wow. which is possibly even more overly articulate than his other it, he also it probably is it, could we say most famously was the Mattress King in American Beauty 
Is that his, is that his biggest oh, one? Oh, of course. Maybe? Yes, yes. Anyway, brilliant piece yeah, of Burger. I'm sure he'd rather American Beauty was put up ahead of Mr. Deeds. <laughs> <laughs> he falls onto the... He, reference. He falls onto the tracks and is saved. Uh, and when he wakes up, I think Sandra Bullock saves him. He can't yes. remember who he is and what his life's like. And they say, well, you have to be next of kin if you're going to come and see this guy. And she went, well, I'm his wife. And then his family come along, think that Bullock is actually his wife, and then she has to play along as if he's this, uh, not wife, rather fiancé, who, who he's never spoken about, and this is the first time Peter Gallagher's lovely extended family are going to get to meet Sandra Bullock, this fiancé they've never heard about. How does Bill Pullman come Bill in? Bill Pullman? The, the, uh, this movie is not oh, happy. It is an interesting movie. Isn't it's it great. allergies or something? Uh, it's, a, it's a very made, neurotic movie. Oh, it's isn't quite it? a neurotic. It's 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 a great. It's not happy with that complexity of plot. Also, she then meets his brother, who even though Gallagher is in a coma, she's pretty sure he's probably a nicer, simpler, more sort of homespun guy than Gallagher is, who seems like a bit of a sort of cocky rich guy. Yeah. And, and goes, do I go for the brother? Or the coma guy uh, who I'm pretending Do I get the uh, is, cuddly is brother fiance. or the guy that's a bit like one of Brett Kavanagh's sort of drinking Yeah, mates. he's sort of a bit of a Mr. Big in Sex and the City, the Peter Gallagher character, as how, I remember. How does it's Christmas great. come in? Well, it's, it's all complete. It's a complete Christmas movie. And again, like Die Hard, probably more so, it's about trying to find a, a, a family and a place and a purpose at Christmas. And she doesn't have that Christmas family. They all come over for Christmas and all that all that stuff and they're trying they're hoping to see him but you know he's very ill and it all takes place it's, it does have that sort of twisted fairy tale quality well, of a romantic that's the interesting Christmas thing film. isn't it about all the kind of Christmas stories and I guess it's it's sort of delineated the best I mean, the most clearly in Christmas Carol which is Christmas past Christmas mm. present and Christmas future how do you make peace with Christmas past how do you live in Christmas present and look to, and create a Christmas what, how do you find new things to hang new traditions to make rather than clinging to what you've lost yes yeah Exactly. But it's also, I do wonder what, we've talked about this before, but, you know, what, there's, what makes a Christmas movie in terms of, does it just need to be set at Christmas? Because I'd go. say Die Hard, Die Hard is, some people might still argue Die Hard's not, but everyone would say Home Alone was, even though I would, they're ah. pretty much the same plot. Yeah, well, that's true, Christmas, that's a good point. It's Christmas with a man, you know, a character, central character trying to survive on their own, stranded, yeah. trying to get their friend, trying to get safely, basically to, the, to safety. yeah. At Christmas time, and, and Die Hard ends on "Let It Snow, Let It Snow." And, yes, this is New Year. I gotta be here for Christmas. Oh no, it's gone the other way around. Sorry. Although I always think Home Alone almost has the word Christmas in every other line, whereas Die Hard just remembers it once every twenty minutes. Well, maybe. I wish I could remember the name of that lovely actor. The uh, LD name's called. I, I did look it up. Name's the guy like, that plays the snow Rush. shoveler. The sort of yeah, the south. The guy that salts the oh, roads. Yeah. Oh, Killed the whole family and half the people on the black <laughs> block. It's very dark, that very, He's terrific Real in that grim movie. Yeah, sorry, but while we were sleeping... But while we were sleeping, that, that's that one. And, and as uh, so just to put it alongside another movie that people might not have seen, uh, or maybe have on VHS, a worn-out VHS, is uh, Serendipity, right. which is just, a, 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 I think, a great movie. And terrifically well, charismatic. You love, you love a Cusack. I love a Cusack. Beckinsale is terrific. It's a movie about them meaning to be together. It's like... Uh, they meet and she writes in a book, I think. Oh, no. Yes, yeah, she writes her address in a book, puts it in a second-hand bookstore and says, if we're meant to be together, one day you'll find this book and which have my address, <laughs> which is hopefully the same. And, of course, that's even more romantic as it ages because any film like that based on uh, a lack of mobile, yeah. uh, of social media... Friends Unite then, Reunited or yeah, whatever. Like you, they just, it just wasn't, you know... Yeah, it, it's sort of... It's, it's a bit like it's, Road Trip is the one, the other one the other day. Do you remember yeah, Road yeah. Trip? He accidentally makes a... Self, think about this as a concept. He accidentally makes a sex tape 
accidentally as you do puts it in a jiffy bag and posts it to his girlfriend in a different university on the other side of America and they've got to race the tape. It's just such a stupid, weird plot. It's such a stupid, weird plot, but of course, sadly, just couldn't exist now. No. The, the same way serendipity wouldn't have. I remember he goes mm. around on the book. Brilliant performance, uh, probably breakout performance in a way, I'd say, from uh, Cusack's old uh, Chicago buddy, another Chicago, another oh, yeah. proud Chicago in uh, the Cusacks, and uh, Jeremy Piven. Yeah, so the Piv is in, I mean, I love the Piv in Gross Point Blank, and I can't remember whether this is pre or post Gross Point Blank. But anyway, it is a very, uh, I guess, sentimental nice. and romantic. But you can, we can take a bit of sentimentality at Christmas. And I think Serendipity is that great rom-com that I still, I don't know whether anyone... Sheer charisma, though, of the lead. Yeah, I think, I think they're just It's terrific. a bit like I remember watching uh, a Hitch with Will Smith a couple oh, of years yeah. ago with, with, an old, with a housemate at the time. And we were just saying, you know, if you saw those lines on the page, you'd realise that that's a hell of a feat. <laughs> to deliver <laughs> yeah. those with conviction, but yeah. also a twinkle in your eye, to, mm. to make those palatable. And that's what those great stars do. And what's great about that is it's one of those instances where they're well pitted against each other. Beckinsale and Cusack are so yes. cool. And they're both very, very good at the knowing wink. They're both very, very good at undercutting the material ever so slightly. They are, and, 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 but they, I think they leave that behind in, that, in this movie, which Do is think more, more impressive because I think they, they play it very, very straight and, and it's just a, there's a sort of romantic desperation about it. I did notice that do. Amazon Prime had put both of those movies on uh, as seasonal movies, as in their festive section. Well, well. So worth there you watch, go. You're you're those. one you're one ahead of the well. You're about yeah yeah about the same as the algorithm that runs uh, Amazon Prime. <laughs> about the same, you're about the same about, mate. That would be Happy a great Christmas. quote about Happy this Christmas. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm Ross gonna... Armstrong's about the same as the, as, <laughs> as the Amazon Prime algorithm for picking movies. Do you know well what? done. I'm, I'm going to have that as two of mine because I'm I'm that happy with those, and I'm, I've only got one left to talk about. So let's talk about your next one which is well my is... next one is going to be another John Hughes movie and apparently I found this out this morning uh, uh, when I kind of was on the tube and I was googling it Chris Columbus who directed Home Alone was originally slated to direct uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation the third in the uh, National Lampoon Vacation series uh... which was in 1989 the year before also written by John Hughes who wrote uh, Home Alone he was supposed to do that he came on set he shot a little bit of footage he had two meetings with uh, the infamously difficult Chevy Chase <laughs> and said I cannot work with this man oh, wow. and as a consolation they, you know, when he kind of tried to patch it up with Hughes, there you go. But it was Jeremiah. I'm afraid I haven't written down the, the gentleman's Jeremiah name. Jeremiah the Bullfrog. No, I'm I trying to. No, not Jeremiah. No. You really, you care a lot about credits because you were saying that you wished you'd remembered the name of. It was this <laughs> How random was it? Something really <laughs> no, random. It wasn't that random, to be fair. It was someone that worked on the other side of the wind or Citizen Kane. It was like, I don't know. But I, lo- I, I love this movie. I love The National. And it's about a father trying to deliver the perfect family Christmas, in short, basically. Yeah. And it's the Griswold family who, uh, I think the original, it's actually, it was John Hughes' original story at National Lampoon with a, with a, was a story called, um, that he wrote. He was a copywriter That's for Leo right. Burnett. He wrote called Vacation 59, and that yeah. became National Lampoon's uh, Vacation. And he also wrote another story called uh, Christmas, vaca- mm. uh, yeah, Christmas 18, uh, 59, which... You know, and apparently he they they came to him and they said, "Would you write a thing?" And he said, "Well, look, I will only do it if I can find the. Uh, this is the, at this point, this is a star vehicle for Chevy Chase." Mm. And I would say 
it, that's what it is. It, the, the movie at the time was not well received, I think, because in terms of those movies, the first one was so beloved. Mm. The second one's a kind of guilty pleasure, the European one with Eric Idle falling off his bicycle constantly <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, but the first one was really revered, and I think there was a feeling that number three was the real cash-in. What's yeah. interesting is I noticed, I've always been a big defender of this movie, I noticed over the years in the sort of radio times when they'd give the sort of uh, the Christmas guide and the movies that are on, Year, almost year by year it would go up by a star ah. so it's now seen as a four or five star Christmas film it's seen as one of the best I think because what actually Chris, he gives such a manic yes. domineering, dominating performance in it mm. that it is the best nightmare version mm. of usually a, a father because I think it is a sort of male vanity is it like a toxic masculinity story is it oh, very 2018 no, yeah maybe it is actually <laughs> sadly I think it is I think everything I saw a little well, bit no, of but you know what hey like listen someone was telling me the other day and I, and I wish I'd had the chance to listen to it so we could comment on it that um, somebody was talking on Adam Buxton's podcast maybe you were telling me about mm. uh, It's a Wonderful Life and saying that they adore uh, it but they they find it such a deeply sexist film that they can yeah. bear which I sometimes find which I feel like it's always there's never a bad time to have a conversation about the 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 what you take from a film in terms of the narrative and what it says about the time yeah. it was made in etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But I do feel personally it is like shooting fish in a barrel to take something from 1946 and go mm. those fools if only they knew what we knew now yeah they were so behind it's almost like this film was made in the 1940s <laughs> which of course it, it was but I do think actually it, it's not a, it is a valid point to say what's that say about family and maybe what does it say about the life of a man well lived and not a person I don't know that's maybe for someone else to say mm. it comes from a different vantage point. Because mm. I am, you know, that's uh, true. Uh, uh, um, you know, I'd like to make you have just the final word on it, and no one else is ever allowed to talk about what? it ever again. Oh, uh, really? Just, okay. just, just, just female representation on screen. Final word. Um, <laughs> but we talked about <laughs> this it. in the first podcast and said about you know uh, <laughs> we've got to be careful because otherwise I think we go. Do we think that this? Is a, a racist film in its depiction? It was like as two white middle class straight guys. We go, nah. Like when we're the two that go, nah, we don't think yeah. it is. Also, like, oh well, thanks because you're the authority. Just coming up with it on the fly, with with the time ticking away, going, I'm uh, yeah, gonna yeah. say. <laughs> I think what says everything is, yeah, you only just thought about it because the question's been thrust into your face. But I do think uh, Christmas makes sense when you're kids. That's what I was thinking about it. And vacation is good because he is the kid. Okay. That's really what it is. Yeah. And I tried to watch the other day a Matthew Broderick, um, a Danny DeVito movie called uh, Deck the Halls, oh. which is a sort of riff on, you know, the uh, um, arguing neighbours. And But Matthew Broderick's character just does not deserve the treatment he gets. Well, what's great about... Um, uh, it's about Inspector Clouseau or any sort of great Clark Griswold is such a fantastic character mm. because he's so he means well but he has such unbelievable unwavering faith in his own abilities to mm. triumph he is arrogant he sort of you do enjoy watching him being taken down a peg mm. and you also secretly what you want is you kind of want it's a bit like that Adam that's strange character I never quite which Adam Sandler played a lot in the 90s which was the sort of Frank Capra everyman I feel like Adam Sandler ended up becoming the sort of grunge rock yeah. um, 1930s James Stewart yeah, the sort yeah. of our shucks everyman a little bit dishevelled mm. but um, who's pushed too far and ends up in the end making a difference and taking a stand. But what mm. they sort of did the Adam Sandler is he'd just be like a bit of a bum who usually had like a sort of 
I, I don't know, sort of like payout from a company that has driven over his foot with a cab or That's something right, like that. Yeah. And then he'd get very angry at people. Mm. And, that was a big and then he, he would do that voice. He would do that voice all the time. I don't understand that voice. No, but you talked the other day about planes, trains, and automobiles. There was a sort of th- penchant for like movies in the 80s and 90s that were just about, like American movies, about just like men getting angry. Yeah. Like, just and ordinary just... guys being trod on who yeah. eventually just get angry, but it's never quite justified. So no. Look, look, everything's about toxic masculinity. There you That's go. That's true. Well, it is, the joke always is on them. It's, and, and it's like, why is that guy getting so... That guy's so wound up. That guy needs to have therapy. That's kind of the joke, but I just don't find it as funny as I Well, Anger Management's the one that actually hits that on oh, the nose, yeah. and that's a very strange film. That's, that's Jack one Nicholson, that, I understand. Yeah. The one yeah. I like is Cable Guy, which then is, runs with the darkness. But this is the mm. thing. I think this is what makes this movie, is the incredible slapstick. Uh, and I think also, you know, I remember some of the reviews people used to say about this film, well, it's just a load of uh, sort of sequences. It's a load of uh, stuck together, mm. a load of kind of Christmas mishaps. Mm. That is Christmas, though. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. A load of slapstick in, where people mm. are trying to create the perfect thing. Thing yeah. out of loo rolls and old bog rolls and, and presents and things they bought from the petrol station and it just doesn't quite add up. It never <laughs> does and it never, never will. And I was thinking that sort of character, Christmas, you know, it tends to be like about people growing up or not growing up. Characters who sort of haven't grown up, like Elf, and how mm. we can all learn from them, and the idea that we can yeah. all try and go back to a child's view of the world at Christmas, mm. which is, I think, what people want to. They want to return to that sort of Christmas past, and it's half to. Or yeah. characters who can't be young and have forgotten that side of themselves, which mm. would be any version of the sort mm. of Scrooge thing. But um, there's uh, there's a Brian Doyle Murray. Uh, is in it as uh, who's uh, the fantastic boss, his evil boss in it, who they who is kidnapped by cousin Eddie, Randy Quaid, possibly my favourite Randy Quaid performance. Is I can't tell if he's laughing because he's going, How dare you? Or he's going, Name other Randy Quaid performances that you love so much that, you, that the way you said that justifies like, yeah. well, really, mate? That's really, really what I was thinking. I've known Nick you for Hall. 10 years and you've never shut up about Randy Quaid and you've never meant that. You would say, what's in your top five what's this great week? is Randy Quaid has become week. the character in that film. Though. He's become a sort of hybrid of the character that he plays in that and the character he plays in Independence oh, Day. Oh, is he because, a sort yeah, of... have you not heard about, you know, no. about this Randy Quaid? He's a paranoid... Um, he's, oh, is he? He's a conspiracy oh, theorist. Yeah, a complete conspiracy oh, theorist. Right. And him and his wife have been off the grid and moving around the country and living in different motels now for about 20 years. He's completely loopy. There was an article, again, in Vanity Fair. I only remember the really weird ones that seem to... Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he plays Cousin cousin Eddie, which has got the famous line, uh, the shit is full, which Uh, is what he yells on Christmas morning as he's sort of pouring the sewage Uh, from his uh, uh, RV into the the thing. Um, uh, But um, That's National Lampoon's Christmas, isn't it? I think that is. You got any other closing thoughts? I'll tell you what, I've got a couple of little facts on it. Okay. I've got a couple of facts. It's the same house as the Christmas movie, I would argue. Yeah. Lethal Weapon on the WB lot. Oh. I would say it's about the, uh, I also wrote that it's about the uh, genera- generational incompatibility of Christmas. Yeah. But the fact that everyone is chasing something that they claim they did better another time but have no actual proof that they did. Yes. It's about the exhaustion and the build-up of Christmas that will always give rise to a sort of damp squib at the end. Mm. And I was also going to say, here's a good fact, Juliette Lewis is in that movie oh. just before she becomes the indie 90s Juliette Lewis we all know and love. Oh. Jonathan Lipnicki plays her brother in it. Wow. Have you seen The Connors? Do you remember that movie, The Connors, where they're no. lovers? No. And no. a couple of years later. 
Jonathan also, their, their yuppie neighbour uh, is Nicholas Guest, which is um, uh, Christopher Guest's brother. <laughs> That's so niche. I know. And I said... That I one thought, guy in North Korea who listens to this guy, he doesn't know who these people are. He's, just, he's, he's trying he's to put all this jigsaw together and he's going, hang on, hang on, and which film do I watch? He's calling all his mates. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, do you know what? I, I talked to this guy a while ago. This is really going off on a limb now. And he's trying to make this um, a film... I should maybe shouldn't. Anyway, it's really good. It's about it's about these kids who listen to rock and roll when rock and roll was banned by recording it on a long antenna. Oh yeah, they built from Miami. I tell, do you yeah. know? What? I'm not going to tell the story too much <laughs> no. because it's an amazing idea, and he's trying to make it into a film, and I don't want to give it away. Yeah. Anyway, I've realised we might inadvertently be creating the movie equivalent of that, but <laughs> oh, but because there is, we now I think we might possibly have mm. some uh, pirate radio listeners mm. managing to get this past the government censors listening yeah. in North Korea. Yeah. To this podcast, who were then in their head, because the idea in this movie is that they'd never seen a Led Zeppelin t-shirt. They'd never seen what the bands looked like. Yeah. So they created the merchandise and they created the insignias. Yeah. These guys who've never seen Christmas movies or Hollywood movies will be listening to me talk about Christopher Guest's brother and the best Randy Quaid performances that exist and going, right, okay, I'm going to assemble my idea of, how, of, of, of the sort of Hollywood progression of the last 100 years. With this totem if, to Jonathan Lipnicki. And I tell you what, one day we will get them on the show. Yeah. And we'll go, there. would you please explain back your favourite bits of, of the last 50 years of Hollywood filmmaking? And have you finally seen and worked out that Jonathan Lipnicki was the child in Jerry Maguire? Because that's right, that's a Jonathan Lipnicki, isn't it? Oh, Guess what I got wrong. That... Jonathan Lipnicki is the Lithby one. Oh, yeah. I meant uh, uh, Jonathan... Oh, it's another one. Oh, God, the one from Big Bang. Big Bang... Th- Oh, I know the Jonathan Galecki. John Gale- Jonathan Ga- Ga- John- Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki. Wow, I'm glad from we... uh, Roseanne and from The Big Bang. That's we... just as well because do you we know what we would have really, really thrown back? We would have really thrown off that thrown poor them. guy, and he, he's got enough material. He's got enough uh, uh, random parts. <laughs> to... <laughs> to be working with the Christmas Frankenstein he's going to be building out of these parts would be truly hideous in fact I hope that none of us ever have to bear witness it and I'm sorry and you know what just walk away I wouldn't ever normally try and deter anybody from listening to more of our shows but I think we've put enough confusion in your head so. no, well I, I'm going to talk about Elf and, and he's the one yes. person that would tell him no don't walk away from this sir carry on because I think the this great movie about uh, Buddy the Elf, uh, who is a real elf, and goes looking for his goes father. looking for his father, and in a world well, he's of a human that lives as an elf. Isn't oh, he? that's true. He's is he? Yes. Yeah, it starts. So he's yes, human size, right. but he li- he was adopted. The elves found a baby, didn't they? That's and right. And he grew up and starts with all the slapstick at the beginning of it. Yeah, and, and then, crushing his father. The running gag is, and it is a very funny gag, is that he wants to constantly sit on his dad's lap, who is yeah. a third of the size, and played and by another sort of gangster favorite, James Khan. What is it with like? Putting ga- people famous for playing gangsters in but Christmas. James Khan's performance is so good when he yeah. meets his at um, this fact who he perceives to be this fantasist, which is Will Ferrell pretending that he's he thinks a man who's got some sort of disorder, yes. mental disorder, who thinks he is an elf. We mm. know he really is an elf, or he was certainly <laughs> raised by elves. He plays it like Joe Pesci does. Uh, just fresh off the back of Goodfellas going into doing his home invasion uh, uh, festive uh, kind of Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. He plays it very straight. He's quite annoyed in it. He's quite a... And that mm. I think that's the way... It's basically the key is get the best actors you can, the people you think would loathe Christmas yes, and, make, exactly. and make them the, the Christmas film. The We've got to convince you that Christmas exists. Yes. Christmas magic course, still exists. What the film is really about is that, you know, it's it's the whole movie is in... 
<laughs> Will Ferrell's head, and he's purely just he's he is that oh, guy he from is. the beginning. Yeah, he, and the end he ends up in a sort of like in in a sort of one flew over the cookies nest style institution. And Hang the, away the rest a of the second half None of the film, none of this happened to you. I feel like you're just trying to throw no, off no, our that's, poor that's, listener. That's, <laughs> that's, I'm just saying that's my theory of what's really Randy going on. Quaid plays Father Christmas, and and <laughs> James Kahn James has to go and see him every once in a while and go, yes, buddy. Oh, that's, I don't like this. this that is, is not what happened. Don't worry, no, buddy. No, because then I thought what you were going to say it is, oh, if he really real. is a fantasist, he's actually gained access to this man and his family's affection and household. And in the end, what he stabs them all to death. I don't. I, know, I, I don't know. He just he just quietly after eating far too much, uh, too many sweets and that sort of thing. James Kahn just finds a good place that'll take him, and then they just go and see him every Christmas, and they talk about that story of what if all of it was real buddy and then the movie ends that's really I think that's the subtext of what's going on I I mean this is Ross's choice so I want to give him this but I I, I think this is dangerous talk no, what, another great ensemble cast though yeah. not only James Kahn yeah. uh, uh, Zoe Deschanel yes is in it which I would say gave rise to the beginning of her maybe even led her to sort of new girl I don't know which we came for maybe. but in terms certainly uh, 500 days of uh, summer, summer yeah. where she became the kind of cool you know that kind of period in the late 2000s of everybody being into sort of old timey music and getting out ukuleles and yeah. all that stuff it was a little bit annoying yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she sings the she sings that very kind of uh, yeah, what would like you say her style her was, well that's I the thing really that's why uh, that's that why of. if we're talking Dachanel um, I think w- when you go back and watch it and, and see that she's a kind of, you know, became a bit kooky, so yes. was very kooky for a while in a sort of alt-country yes. folk way. Yes. She's not quite like that movie. She's, she's genuinely sort of like she's got a blonde bit down. Hair. She's a bit... I feel like they dyed her hair blonde and they went, see? Blonde hair. She's kooky. <laughs> no, they, she doesn't have a fringe that covers her eyes. She actually plays it quite realistically. She's yeah, not she that, does. She's not that kooky. She, there's a one bit where she sings well, which sort of represents a sort of different side of her character that she never really brings out because most of the time she just sort of um she's having her own problems it's it's not she's not like that against christmas but she's not into it either she's just doing a job it's, it's so it's it's quite it's quite well played that's it, it, it's, it's definitely another christmas it's definitely another film that tries to convince you that uh, there is still some magic left in christmas that's it, what it, it's really about it's about it's, when you go to a place like uh, in this case new york which is full of sort of uh, you know <laughs> once happy my children my favorite gag in that angry. is the world's is that he's he's so literal sorry yeah okay. well no no it's, it, it's that he, yeah it, it, they're all these so when buddy meets new york there are these brilliant literal bits um, uh, when he like, there's a bit with a coffee shop that says that's best what I was coffee about in the say. world, <laughs> best coffee in the world, and, and he, he runs against. <gasps> he takes guys, her there on a date, doesn't he? And he puts it. a blindfold on her. <laughs> yeah, then he gives like, yeah. That's, what does yes. it taste like? Yeah. Crappy cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Which I really wanted to. There was also I went to Harrogate the other day, and there was a world's greatest coffee sign, and there were, were a, a bunch of well-heeled uh, uh, elderly people in there. And I really wanted, wanted to go, go and they shout, guys, you did it, and. I didn't do that. It's my favourite Will Ferrell performance, ranked alongside Anchorman. That's it's pretty. He's he's great in old school as Frank the Tank. He's, but it's but it's that's such that's that that this is a movie. Oh, that, it's brilliant! It's a real tour de force. It's not a sort of one man show. John of a Favreau wrote and directed Favreau, it. Favreau, oh, yeah, terrific. Beginning, you know, the beginning I'd say of, of John Favreau as a director, his big screen career. Yeah, I think he directed Made. I don't know if he made it. He certainly obviously written Swingers. Yeah, but I think this was his first big budget movie. It's got beautiful kind of Henry Selleck style old nineteen seventies uh, yeah, stop motion yeah, at the beginning. It's great. It's, it's got it's got some very tasteful touches. You know it's a great movie for people who reluctantly 
watch Christmas movies exactly. but secretly want to like them again. And, and I, I think, think it will win you over. It's gained momentum. Over I think if we look back on copies of like Empire or Total Film when it was came out, it was quite a while ago now, it will have been quite a three-star movie, I think. And I, over I think time, very similar to National Lampoon. Yeah, yeah, it's gained. Now I think it was. it's a complete must for a lot of people. It's a totally, it's not Christmas unless, the, unless they've seen Elf. And that's brilliant for a modern movie. You've reminded me to go much Elf. Yeah, it's brilliant. And it's totally about uh, about sincerity and just being upbeat and embracing the magic of the everyday over whatever annoying and ridiculous thing is getting you down that day. It's sort of it's absolute complete uh, cure for any type I'd of say cynicism. It, I'd say it embodies the same message as that great new uh, 1975 single. It is. Sincerity, Sincerity is, scary. is scary. But it's hard. That it's bra- mm. that there's a lot of bravery involved. There's yeah. a lot of courage involved in being vulnerable mm. and uh, and in loving. Yeah. And in loving openly, mm. which is what sort of James Kahn... Because the idea, I think, is James Kahn is that he he gave his kid up for adoption. Yes, so that's there's, right. So there's, you know, again, like a lot of these things, there's some quite uh, dark, serious undertones, as all the great Christmas movies are, about loneliness and solitude and family and being people pulled apart. And it's obviously remedied by uh, Will Ferrell dresses a giant elf. Uh, and, and also running, a lot of sliding, sliding doors moments. What if this wasn't this? What if it was something else? It's, sliding it's, it's doors. A, it's a wonderful life, that kind of... It's, it's, and that, it's, you know, what if you hadn't given up that child for adoption? The Christmas seems Christmas movies seem to be about... A lot of reflection. Yeah, reflection. And what if I'd gone the other route? This is sort of a really interesting trope. Yeah, that's that true. And I, Well, again, I guess it's A Christmas Carol, which, of course, uh, you know... Um, yeah, and it's a wonderful life. It really is a version of its Christmas Carol. That's the the Christmas Carol is the Uber text. Can we say that? I think we can say. I it. think we can say. I don't know what it means, but we can say it. Should we talk about It's a Wonderful Life? I think, we, I think I think we, have we should to. talk about It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And I was thinking about It's a Wonderful Life because it came out in 1946. So um, it was James Stewart's first movie, and it was Lionel Barrymore who plays the baddie, wow. who's Drew, Drew Barrymore's grandfather, That's right, yeah. old man Potter. Barrymore's a very famous uh, sort of theatrical family. family yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he was a friend of Stuart's, and he was the one that convinced him he didn't want to do, he, I mean, he, he just mm. uh, delisted, what do you call it when you... Uh, and you um, walk, um, you, um, uh, whoosh, yeah, you get just out of there. Out, you get, get out, out of there. You de-enlisted. Yeah, he just like excommunicated. That implies uh, oh, he, he ran away. He wasn't a deserter. No, 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 no. He ran into the fights. That's what yeah. I think. But of course, it began. It began the era of the darker James Stewart, the westerns, mm. uh, Vertigo, and this was the first movie he said. And he didn't actually want to do it, and he was convinced to do it. And I would say that. Um, uh, the same way, like in this country, this is a bit, this is a bit of a reach, and I can feel, I, I can, I'm going to say this now because I, I know how you're going to look at me when I say this. The same way, like the welfare state and the NHS came out of the shock of World War Two, I think it makes sense that It's a Wonderful Life was a Christmas movie that that they would make at such a time because it's a, it's a dark. Yeah. It is not an easy sell as no, a Christmas movie. No, I think movie. that's totally right. I think that's non-controversial. And I think there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about James Stewart having just come back from war and about the fact he never talked about uh, what he did and how, how uh, highly decorated was. And actually in the movie, it basically, in short, it's about a guy who never leaves his town and ends up uh, staying around um, to... Uh, fight the good fight when his brother goes off and becomes a war hero and he wanted to be an architect and he sticks around protecting a building alone against a sort of evil tyrant in his town who's buying everything up and he runs this sort of uh, town and then uh, the big moment is a load of money gets lost and he realises his life insurance is worth more than he is alive and he it's about whether should he kill himself basically would the world would life have been better if he'd just never been born yeah 
And uh, that, I won't say much more if you haven't seen it. It is a, a, a beautiful film, but it puts you through the emotional ringer and then some. But I thought about it being made in 1946, and I thought about, there's a great bit when he says to old man Potter, who's this sort of rich, tyrannical arsehole, is a mm. landlord, and sort of, uh, uh, and he says, uh, he talks about the people, and he goes, they do most of the living and the dying in this town. And I thought, of course, in a way, he's talking about soldiers as well. You know, you've just lost mm. another generation, an entire generation of young men. Mm. And uh, I think war hangs heavy. War hangs heavy over this. And, and the, if there's a message, this is that everyone makes a difference. We are all interconnected. Mm. One man, one woman, one person can make a difference. And in fact, one of the, my favorite things about It's a Wonderful Life, and if people might not know this, is it was a big flop when it came out. I think it was deemed too dark for audiences, uh, wartime audiences, just just finished the war. Because it is. And also there's a massive, massive uh, blizzard. It was an incredibly cold winter, the winter of 1946, and it was a huge flop. There was a clerical error made by the NTA Oh, where the copyright was not renewed for It's a Wonderful Life after 1974. What that meant was that you could show that movie for free. Oh. No, one, no one owned the copyright for about 20 years, I think, until they got wise. But what that meant is a movie sort of slowly, by word of mouth and repeat viewings, yes. and it became incredibly popular. And there was actually a channel in Germany, famously, that shows it every year at the same time and has done for 50 years. Oh. And it, that's what sort of led to it becoming incredibly so it was, it was public domain. It was like open source, like mm. like the internet. It was yeah, just, like, it the was open, just... like the open, and that's how it sort of it wasn't a, it wasn't popular at the time. It came out of the taps like water. It was free, like I think people just birds. put it on. If yeah, yeah you know, oh, if I... John Craven didn't turn up to record, uh, just go straight file, to it's a wonderful life. They go just, just put the last twenty minutes of it's a wonderful life. And on. I love the fact that you were saying like he's. Do you love the fact that I mentioned John Craven. Oh, John Craven, <laughs> our listener in North Korea. Well, yeah, it's just John. John. Craven, how does I really he, hope you don't go down his that madman's wall? How does he fit into this, like a psychopath's oh, wall, or all the man trying to catch him? You know, they've got that thing at the moment of Reason Mortimer. They're sort of celebrating Reason Mortimer on the BBC. Do you remember Reason Mortimer doing the smell of Reason Mortimer? Do you remember their uh, country file? Oh, yeah, country yeah, file? yeah. Show me your bottom. <laughs> Show me one of your bottoms. <laughs> Very odd. <laughs> very, very odd. There's, anyway, yeah. I was I'm now just throwing out random stuff because really I'm loving the stuff. idea that there's somebody. Well, also, it's fair on. enough because probably a lot of people are half listening to this as yeah. they do with podcasts. So I like the idea that also it might just be... John some, Craven. John Craven, yeah. Just it's throw a, that in there. Just to wake up the Craven fans. Just to wake up the Craven. Just to wake... Yeah. John Craven himself somewhere went, <gasps> just woke yeah. up when I did that. I, just, I really like the fact, though, that Plot, given that he was uh, uh, fought in the war, he played the guy that didn't go to war. Yes. And, and he was a bit like, oh, well, I'll take the part if you... If you really want me to, I mean, I actually, I'm actually one of the most decorated airmen of all time. No, I well, I think it was the opposite. Don't talk possibly. about it, but uh, no. Right. I, well, I think, and there is a lot. Is that there's a big thing about his? Yeah, exactly. That mm. his brother goes away to war and he doesn't become the hero and he doesn't see the world. Mm. And I always enjoyed it for that. I think it was all. It's 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 a film that definitely does because mm. the kids are saying, well, the kid, you know, the family next door have got this. There's a lot of things where Potter offers him money to try and lure him away so he can own the building and loan so that he can own the whole of the town because this is he's the only person standing between it. Mm. And I think it is, you know, the what are the messages at the end? The famous ones are no man is a failure who has friends and mm. uh, and uh, the richest man I know, you know. And mm. it's this idea that um, uh, warmth is reaching out, that warmth is the effect we have on people, that everybody matters, that about where reality meets expectation is is catching each other. It, it's a, it's a and I think that's an important thing at Christmas. Invisible people, people yeah. feeling invisible and feeling that they don't matter. Yeah. So it tackles some big things. 
But I should just say, it has the happiest ending. And I don't think, I don't care if you know. It has, it puts you through the ringer and it takes you to this place. And it does become rather fantastical. It does go Mm. on a sort of Christmas carol journey where an angel shows him who he, what what would have happened to everybody had he not uh, Mm. existed. And I just tell you now that if you start watching that film and you go, this is so sad, Mm. I can't take it. Stick with it. By the end, you could be the biggest Scrooge in the world and you'll be cheering Merry you'll, Christmas You'll, you'll be screen. cheering and you'll be Even weeping. though they made it in July in a heat wave, apparently. How oh, is that right? That. IMDb trivia page. Thank you very much. <laughs> Shouldn't say that because it looked like I've cherry-picked these. It, it's place. interesting post-war as well because you could certainly say that that was a time when there was a sort of stoic generation of people who were uh, uncomfortable even with celebrating the nature of their own sacrifices, looking back on it and going, oh, I'm a decent person, actually, because they didn't engage with their emotions in the same way that we do now it was a kind of thawing of a sort of uh, national psyche of going actually we can sort of celebrate the things that we've done and look back like we do in contemplation at the end of each year and go actually no we're good people just because not every day is about getting what I want or some days are tough you know it's still it, the things that we do matter to people the interconnectivity of the one thing one person does for the other uh, of realising things people do for you and the things that you've been lucky enough to do for other people that mattered is really important and that's a very different message now when we're very touchy-feely people and we share all our images and our I emotions so. on Instagram stories that sort of thing you know? I think so and I think and I think in the movie you're right I think possibly what's happening is this: the, the film is very clever in how it is sort of dealing with the emotions that would have come yeah. after the Second World War that possibly James Stewart himself might have been facing about what he went away and did. Yeah. And there is a nobility uh, in, and there is a romance in survival, in everyday life, in everyday endeavours. Yeah. And, and I I didn't really uh, click it together very well at the beginning. But when I was saying about it made me think about the welfare state or it made me think about mm. all that sort of stuff. There was, for a moment, there was a, you know, we're talking about Christmas being a period of reflection. There mm. was a decade or so when there was a real desire suddenly to help each other. Mm. There, was a, there was a brief utopian bubble, which of mm. course was the aftermath of so much death, mm. which was tended to be the common man and woman <laughs> at the hands of the Mr. Mm. Potters of the world. You know, mm. that's what the arms race was. That's what caused the First and Second World War. Mm. So I think it's an incredibly, incredibly poignant movie yeah, with, a, true, with a message yeah. that actually is about as anti-capitalist and commercial, not anti-capitalist, sorry, mm. anti-commercial as you can. Yes, be. yeah, exactly, yeah. There's a lot of uh, filmmakers just fighting the good fight for sort of the lack of commerciality of Christmas, trying to find the sort of core of what Christmas is when I think maybe Christmas was created uh, as a commercial event, quite possibly or at least popularised so in a lot of countries but the fact that, that uh, artists would be going, now hang on though, there's something, hey man, at the there's something of, so much more something more at the core of this uh, capitalist event. That and then I someone walks in with a something. tin of roses and everybody just ignores yeah. that person But the impressive thing is they have found it in that movie and that is there and if you want to find it ever you need lifting up or Thinking, uh, trying to find the meaning in anything. I think you'll you know, just just watch that movie and you just, yeah, it, it it it's sort of just so beautiful. Well, I, yeah, and I think it's the one Christmas movie that really dares far more than uh, Scrooge, if you think about it, because he's a guy, he's a miserable sod who has everything, That's and true. yes, okay, and realizes he had nothing. And I see as a metaphor and allegory rather what that mm. does for people. Mm. But this is about a man struggling to find a person, struggling mm. to find. Um, 
a reason to live mm. because he feels that he has failed. And yes, possibly on, on those levels, on the, as a provider, or he's failed because he doesn't, he hasn't been able to take the holidays or get mm. the car that his kids want. But it's it's about far more than that. It's far more existential. It's about it's a man battling for his soul. Yes, yeah, it's, it's self. What's more Christmas than that? Yeah, yeah it is. Though. All these movies is about self fulfillment, self realization, and going. I've been chugging on like the day by day by day doing my thing. But where am I now? And is it am I in the right place? And what should I be doing next to do the most meaningful thing? And the original Bert and Ernie are in it, of course. Oh, is that right? The cab driver and the policeman, yeah. Do you remember? Do you know, I've, I've, I wish I knew off the top of my head. They were called Bert and Ernie. incredible ensemble and also uh-huh. a beautiful script by yeah. Frank Capra as ever. <laughs> I mean, that guy was, if you want to talk about John Hughes, there's no way that John Hughes isn't a mm. slightly sly Mm. Uh, rock and roll and Cameron Crowe they, they were all aping yeah. what uh, James Stewart in his performances and uh, Frank Capra in his writing managed to balance which was yeah again that kind of magic realism and that mm. wit and that warmth and that you know sly wit it's a great you know it's a great comedy it's my favourite leading man performance that, what, for Jimmy sure Stewart, yeah, yeah I, I watched that and I just think he, he walks such a fine line what he about Randy so Quaid in, in all those films that Randy oh hang Quaid on wait a second fair point <laughs> well to listeners in North Korea, a lot of people compared Randy Quaid to Jimmy Stewart. You might have heard other people wrongly say Tom Hanks is the new Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, no. But I'd say Randy Quaid is the new Tom Hanks. Well, I've heard Jimmy people say Stewart. Channing Tatum's the new uh, Jimmy Stewart. It's I think this is unfair now. This, no? this, is good, this could really do us a disservice. Yeah. Firstly, somebody might write in and go, I am listening from North Korea. Mm-hmm. And not only, they might like factually correct us on things yeah. we have got wrong. Go, you snide. Yeah. You know, I've were you, seen were you, all these yeah. films. Like, what's it? that be kind rewind? Like, what you think you're going to create? Like, this yeah. idea that I'm so misunderstanding what you're sort of saying. Hey, what? Because, you, and then factually correct us. I think it's maybe also, we might just be misleading uh, listeners in general. So maybe well, we should stop. Well, it was funny in that. Uh, diatribe. There's, uh, I call it a diatribe. <laughs> Hang on, was that my, my one? Uh, yes. <laughs> There was, you can't accuse me of a diatribe <laughs> on air. <laughs> this is an hour-long diatribe in itself. <laughs> um, Be Kind Rewind was mentioned, which is, weirdly, the film that makes me cry second most to it's after It's One to One Life. One life. Did it even... make you cry or did you not? I think other people did not find that at all for yeah. Be Kind Rewind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were moved by it at all. I was so moved by the end of that movie. I am going to go and see It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life, I think I first saw it at the cinema. I got taken to see when it was at Riverside Studios and they start doing their BFI in places and start mm. showing it. I got taken by my dad as a teenager. And mm. I try and go and see it every year if I can. And I'm going with my new girlfriend. I say new girlfriend, this is only relevant because it. I'm aware that I have to get to know a person quite well before they see how I react, the oh, physical yes. reaction I yeah. have to the last 20 minutes of this yeah. film. It's really ugly crying. Ooh. It's like my face melts and I start to okay. hyperventilate. And like I, it's a mix of sweating and crying. Yes. It's pretty, pretty terrible. So what do you do to offset that? You go very masculine and very like together, like you're made of stone, and then you weep and the transformation in itself is an impressive thing. So here's thing. the way to deal with crying an awful lot in its yeah. wonderful life. Don't fight it. Just concentrate on the volume. Try and process that sort of hyperventilating and the snot yeah. and the tears yeah. into a sort of like diaphragm breathing. You do all your drama school tricks is what I'm trying to say. This is good. It's the I same like way I sort of, like, I don't know, I'd hide a flatulence in a, mm. in a voiceover session or something. Yeah. I don't know why I've said that. that. Not, but but look, my point being, what you do is if mm. any if the lights came on and you mm. were looking right at me, it'd be terrifying. Okay, okay. Because everything would be coming through. The, you let your face. But then you let just, the breath drop yeah, in. Yeah, you drop. So you and then you, just that's volume. what you're going to do. Just volume. 
I think that's very good. But, but good the advice. problem with that is if they turn to face you, they are then met with the surprise of that sort of like leaking mm. gargoyle yes. who's creased up. Yes. Uh, and Desperately tr- breathing from <laughs> the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Having like full contractions. And that's really not very attractive. So also I've just given a disclaimer. I've said, look, I'm yeah. going to go to pieces. Okay. Don't worry. I don't have issues I've not told you about. Right. This is just a cathartic experience. And. And I'm in. I'm just. I'm. I'm in touch with my emotions, and you're not. Then he'll. Then he'll catch you watching Office Christmas Party and having exactly the same. Reaction. I liked Office Christmas Party. Well, that's funny you should say. I watched the other. I thought it was good fun. That did you? Yeah, because what I loved about it is got one of those brilliantly ridiculous premises where uh, they they really ally. The plot is basically they. Really, it's a, a thing about they've got this guy. They're it's going all, out of business. It's porkies. It's like Animal House. It's that old thing of we're going to have a keg. We're going to have, have a keg stand. We're going to have a keg party. But this party has to convince Kegger. a guy who is a family Kegger? man. Kegel. No, Kegel's, <laughs> Kegel's not. Kegel's there. No. <laughs> I don't know what that. Jason Kegel? No, I, I know what Kegel is and the listeners will. And you, the fact that you don't is really sweet. Cam. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it, he, they have to convince him through a party. This guy is both a family man. Who, uh, and a businessman and a party man and all those things can be he can be convinced That's to a, go into business with them by having that party well, it's the, the you, best they already discover they're in a child don't they by t- taking a lot of cocaine they do it's but really what, film, the, the, what I love the fact that the, the plot is really which is, is a guy that doesn't exist really because in so many movies you like you think about again like old school and that's Will Ferrell going from being a family man and turning into a party guy but what they find without questioning it although it's barely ever been depicted on screen is a businessman that really cares about partying <laughs> and, and being a family man which aren't just re- and, they, and they decide to throw him a party but in a that sense will... that is a, but that's on the other side of Christmas that, yeah. that does get we haven't really ended up talking about any movies that, that have that in but if it's not about going back to your inner child it's, a, it's going back to being your inner childish yes which oh, is kind of yes. the more anarchic kind of part you know so mm. I would say if we were going to quickly rule off before we before we uh, uh, leave you for the season mm. um, other honourable mentions yes. I would say Training Places Scrooged mm. which is my favourite version uh, oh, adaptation of A Christmas Story sure. I think possibly the great my favourite comic Bill Murray vehicle oh. which I think you know it, it, it is quite controversial possibly yeah, Big, I yeah. also think it's the only time he's ever taken the Bill Murray we knew he'd become, the mm. cult Bill Murray, the cult of Bill Murray, the mm. cultish Bill Murray. No, mm. he's not running a cult, but there's cult around <laughs> him. Uh, uh, and and kind of married it to a big popcorn movie. And that's uh, thanks to old Richard Donner, um, who made A Lethal Weapon, another, I would argue, great uh, late 80s Christmas set mm. action movie. Uh, uh, trading Places. That's got to put one. Trading Places in yeah. there. Love Actually, everyone disagrees about <laughs> violently. Ross uh, does not feel the same way I do about Love Actually. I once had to review Love Actually as part of an audition for a, a, a BBC pilot that I ended up doing where I, we ran a video shop. Mm. And so they needed to see... There were lots of bits that might be me talking about movies. So they put me in a boardroom and I had the flu. It was the day before Christmas Eve, I remember, about yeah. 10 years ago. And they made me stand up and give the case for Love Actually what or Against. What was it in brief for? What's your, what's your case for in brief? I, I wish I could remember now. I, okay. I, um, I said it's like when you go into... This was 10 years ago, like mm. an Esso garage and you see those Christmas compilations. Mm. 
I said, yeah, of course they're overwhelming. Mm. But it, it, I can't think of another time where... It would say, would you say it's mm. a portmanteau film? Yes, a portmanteau I think film so. Well, I think that has worked so well, mm. given that Gary Marshall's been trying to ape the success of Love Actually ever since. Yes. And Last Christmas is coming out, Nick, ah. uh, which is going to be another big um, uh, so portmanteau, portmanteau, uh, portmanteau yeah. movie based around the the greatest Christmas song of all time. I'd like to get that on air. Yeah. Last Christmas yes, by Wham, written by George Michael Andrew Richley ah, of Wham. That's, that's a very interesting. Yeah, uh, I would say that it's just... I take such a bombastic. It's a great greatest hit. It also does that thing that Richard Curtis does so well. That's turned up to a thousand in that movie, and it, 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 and knowingly, I feel, which is how very snide English people, cold, mm. awkward, snide English people, deal with the with saccharine emotions mm. and at Christmas. And actually, like most of those stories, are sad stories. Mm. And I enjoy it as as a sort of crazy greatest hits mm. of other Christmas movies you've never seen, and possibly maybe wouldn't want. You know, I mean, it's like no one's got the Slade Christmas album, but everyone loves. You know, enjoy. Well, not everyone, but people enjoy <laughs> the Slade. A lot of people really don't like it. The Slade Christmas hit, and I yeah. feel that's how it works. It works by being a genuine quality street w- box. Was that so? You throw and so you dissed Slade in the middle of that? Oh, hang on, wait a sec. So you don't Slade. like Love Actually, but you won't, you will not hear Noddy Holder. Slade, one of the <laughs> greatest British bands. You know, they've got the most single, most longest run of number one. I sort of thing. I took that back. <laughs> anyway, I said I don't want to. Knock. I said I'm true. sure there was a there was a, an ambitious concept album that they did that was based around uh, Hanukkah, Christmas, maybe all of the different religious uh, festivals. Uh, but the, it just so happened that Christmas Cut was the only one uh, that people see, remember. See, what I'm trying yeah. to say is it it works as a greatest hits. Mir- Miracle on 34th, 34th Street would be another one I would throw in there. I've John Hughes m- again. mostly watched the, the modern one, the Mara Wilson, Richard Attenborough one, and what a great performance by Dickie Attenborough. And, uh, uh, well, that's the thing. I think that film is remembered, moving. and the reason... That's another mm-hmm. film probably got three stars on release. Yeah. Because I think people thought it was sacrilege to go, you know, to, to repeat the trick of the original. But it's got that John Hughes touch. But it's a, it's a, it's a great movie. And it's yeah. got that, it's the definitive Father Christmas. I think that's what it's now remembered. And I, I, it has another ending that makes me cry, which is about oh. people shouting and coming oh, together. Oh, Santa Claus is, yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's hugely, you well, know. Well, they shout and they, it, it, he's, he's, he won. Santa Claus is real. Yeah. And, I, and God I we trust. In, and the argument, it's very clever, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And it's to do with faith. Yeah, it's about if you've got in God we trust written on money, they take uh, your a, whole fundamental belief system in terms of your capitalist system is based on a religious idea, why wouldn't you believe in Santa Claus? Yes, yeah. that's, that's a kind on of faith a really in interesting someone, yeah. faith-based idea. It about is, actually. It's things, quite a clever yeah. argument. And the idea yeah. is that there's a guy who says he's Father Christmas who ends up becoming mm-hmm. a, 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 um, a department store Father Christmas who we actually realise is the real Father Christmas and then up goes, there's a court case in New York. So that's another, another Christmas trope of someone who genuinely believes he is a person from a Christmas Christmas scene well, so like an elf. About, well, then maybe there's a sort of maybe there is a religious sort of uh, angle, and it is slightly Jesus based, mm. and it is about uh, a sort of persecuted, like a martyr, like somebody that mm. stands for everything that's good, and everyone comes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these are people that are, that are brave enough to stand up and say, "I believe," and "I'm sincere," and you know, etc. And I, yeah. I'm nothing but love, and everyone goes, "No, you're mad." Yes. Sit down and shut up. Yeah, that's true. And then in the end, we all have. Finds out, it turns out we all have a little something to learn from them. Oh, that's good. I'm so glad we have. But I think... Um, what else have we got on there? Any, I think no, those are I our final honourable really. mentions. I think that's it. And I think, I think really that the overall, it's the, you know, Christmas can be hard. Yeah. And it's to find something to hang it on. Uh, friends, helping each other, helping others, staying warm. And uh, the love you take is equal to the love you make, as the song says, right? Ooh, which song's that? Uh, love you take... Hang on, which would be people's song? <laughs> oh. Can't think which one it is. 
Damn it. Sorry. I tell you what, it's, Sorry. it was written by Randy Quaid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, if, yeah it's, uh, um, and so don't give up on the songs, I say, mm. and don't give up on the films, and don't give up on the dream uh, in what Christmas can be, even if it's utterly, uh, ultimately unobtainable. Strive for it. Something wholly good, something that can't be tarnished. I say look to Christmas future. Um, make peace with Christmas present. And, you know, bin off Christmas past if it doesn't work for you. And I thought uh, before we say Merry Christmas and, uh, and say we'll see you next year, we're going to um, end on Bill Murray's speech from the end of Scrooge. Oh, wow. I it'd be quite fun. Are you going to do it or are you going to play no, it? No, no, we're going to play it. <laughs> okay. No one needs to hear me do full three minutes of Bill Murray's speech. <laughs> but um, Merry Christmas from me, Tom, and... And me, Ross, I'm going to be watching Rare Exports, which is uh, a film about digging up Santa Claus who's been hidden in the snow for many years. And when they do dig him out, he's evil. That's a great one. That's not the Icelandic or something? Yeah. That's a fantastic film. I quite enjoyed The Krampus last year as well. Me too. We didn't even cover uh, Christmas horror movies. Gremlins is obviously another classic. Listen, we could go on forever. There's a couple for you. We will next time. And we often do. And we probably have. Where are we? Like five and a half hours? Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Have a good one. I'm not crazy. It's Christmas Eve. It's, it's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We, we, we smile a little easier. We, 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 we cheer a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. It's really a sort of a miracle because it happens every Christmas Eve. And if you waste that miracle, you're going to burn for it. I know what I'm talking about. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. And if you if you give, then you then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. If you believe in this spirit thing, you, you the miracle will happen. And then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life. And it can happen to you. I don't, I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. And I, it's great. It's a good feeling. It's, it's really better than I felt in a long time. I, I, I'm ready. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Did I forget something, big man? Love talking.